Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Okay, so when was the last time you had a good laugh? Uh, I, I heard a conversation uh, by another radio host yesterday afternoon um, with, a, with a healthcare provider really just talking about this subject. Um, and the, the radio host was just acknowledging that it's been a really long time since she had genuinely uh, had a good laugh, uh, like a healthy laugh. And, um, and, you know, and she was also just, just confessing that I, I break out into tears periodically and for no good reason. And, you know, and, and the, the person with whom she was talking, you know, just basically said, first of all, you need to give yourself some grace. It's perfectly normal and perfectly natural right now to just break down and sob. It's not, it's actually not unusual. I found great comfort in that. I read an email that it was, it was just a work email, but I mean, I read an email, and it was a couple of days ago now, and it, there's there was nothing sad about the email. I mean, the person was you know confirming that she had done something that I had asked to have done, and I just it 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 reduced me to tears. Now, why is that? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I had to I did pause and take a little break and sort of had a conversation with myself and with the Lord. Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Let me just acknowledge that I you know I need I need to allow myself some time and some grace and some space. Um. This is a stressful experience for all of us and for each of us. And to the question of when was the last time you had a good laugh, you know, I, I honestly couldn't answer the question. And so it, it sent me into a period of time yesterday just thinking about humor and laughter. Um, I did a little research on sort of the health benefits of laughing, um, why we need to laugh sometimes in spite of ourselves, certainly in spite of our circumstances, and that we need to get over this feeling guilty about laughing or allowing other people to um, sort of make us feel guilty. I know technically nobody can do that, but uh, allowing ourselves to um, to be made to feel guilty because we're laughing. Um, and there are times for laughter, even in the midst of the most awful of circumstances. We are people who do know um, joy and the reality of it. And so reread the book of uh, the the book of Philippians. Reread Paul's letter to the saints at Philippi and just simply note the times where Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. Now, there's not this is not laughter at coarse talk or those kinds of things. This is not inappropriate humor. This is uh the truth that there is joy and there can be laughter even in the face of death. Why? Because Easter is real. Christ is risen from the dead, and it really does change everything. Um, and so allow yourself uh, to laugh, even, um, you know, even, even at things that are, you know, ridiculous. The world has turned upside down. Old folks are sneaking out of the house, and their kids are yelling at them to stay indoors. Okay, that's funny. You can laugh at that. 
Um, and, you know, in 2019, we were told to stay away from negative people. In 2020, we're just supposed to stay away from people who are positive. <laughs> That's because they test positive. You get that, right? Okay. Um, so go ahead and allow yourself to to laugh at appropriate things at appropriate times. Okay, up next, Adam Holtz. He is a joy guy for sure. We're going to talk about what's worthy of our eyeballs this weekend. Um, streaming options that are available and how, you know, frankly, everything in Hollywood is uh, is has changed. Their plans have changed because of coronavirus. It's, uh, it's an interesting storyline to follow. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In Ministry. You can find what we're talking about today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Good morning. Uh, I am well. How are you, sir? You know, a little bit better every day. I've been coughing like crazy this morning, but uh, working it out one day at a time. I guess it's sort of like, you know, salvation. You work out your salvation in fear and trembling every day. Amen. Amen. Well, we're glad you are. um, We're glad you're continuing to improve. Let's talk about some things that people can watch streaming this weekend. We've actually we've actually heard Jump Shot promoted by Breakpoint um, by um, the Colson Center. And we have talked about it briefly here. Tell us about Jump Shot and then also tell us how we can watch it. Yeah. Jump Shot is a documentary about a guy you've never heard of named Kenny Sailors. Kenny was just a pretty ordinary guy. Excuse me. Who happened to be five inches shorter than his brother, and he really wanted to beat his brother at basketball. And in the 1930s, the prevailing orthodoxy with regard to how you shoot is you got to have both your feet planted firmly on the ground. Well, Kenny couldn't do that and and shoot over his brother, so he started jumping, and he sort of accidentally revolutionized the game and went on to a a basketball career. And so I think for people who are missing sports right now and missing basketball, maybe still mourning the, uh, the loss of March madness this year. um, It's a great inside look at the history of basketball and and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and um, some other pro uh, players have cameo roles here. And Steph Curry, of course, was a, a producer. And Steph Curry is a Christian. And part of the reason he wanted to produce this movie is that it's not just about basketball, but it's about Kenny Saylor's life. Um, he's a, a man who was just a person of incredible character and integrity. And so this is as much about his life um, and his faith in a quiet way. It's not a Christian movie, but uh, it certainly references how his faith has influenced him um, and and really how his faith has enabled him to put basketball in perspective. He says, the Lord has shown me there's a lot of things more important than sports or basketball. Um, and and that's, a, that's a really great word because we can be passionate about things and still keep it in perspective. So uh, a couple profanities, the only content issues here. And it's just a great, inspiring documentary. Um, as far as where you can watch it, you can find it on – hang on. I don't have that up right That's this right. very second. But it's coming. It's coming. Hang on. Hang on. 
you can go to the uh, website that is hosting it, which if my computer will load, is called AltaVod, A-L-T-A-V-O-D.com, and you can uh, rent it there for seven ninety nine. All right. I think that's worth it. I think that uh, this is a, you know, this is one of those that, um, that I'm willing to pay for. Yeah. No, <laughs> right? I, think it's worth I mean, it. if I were going to go see it in the movie theater with my family, it's going to cost us a whole lot more than seven ninety five. So um, you guys can check it out at jumpshotmovie.com. Pluggedin.com has a movie review. The movie you're looking for is Jump Shot, the Kenny Sailor's story. All right. Also available is Trolls. Probably Trolls. not, maybe not one. Maybe not one I'm going to see. Yeah, you know, trolls came. The the original trolls came out a couple of years ago, and was. Is kind it of like they're? Are they like little, very colorful, little poofs of yeah. hair on the tops yeah. of their heads? Okay. Yeah, yeah. These are the I'm same you. things you put on. All of us of a certain tender age put them on our pencils way back in the day, and you would twirl them, and their hair would go crazy. And it's those trolls, right? They're sort of like Smurfs with more hair. Um, and less blue. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Trolls World Tour is a sequel. It stars Anna Kendrick as Poppy, who has become the queen of her people. Poppy is earnest. She's optimistic. She loves people. She believes the best. In some ways, if uh, Poppy were going to have a religion, she would be a Christian because she really has those kinds of, of values that give her hope. Well, they find out that there are five more tribes of trolls, and they're all um, focused on different kinds of music. So there are the country trolls, the funk trolls, which actually sounds like a lot of fun, the classical trolls, the techno trolls, and the hard rock trolls. Queen of the hard rock trolls is a female named Barb who is sort of the photo negative of Poppy. She has a red mohawk. She has black eyeliner and leather and a wailing guitar. And um, Barb has decided she wants to unite the trolls. Uh, and Poppy has too, but they have really different ideas of what that means. And so Barb basically wants to be a hard rock dictator, whereas uh, Poppy wants to be a benevolent uh, arm around you kind of ruler. Um, and so this really is about their conflict and and I think on the macro level, it's a movie about learning to accept uh, and appreciate people who are different than you without you know, succumbing to the temptation to force them to be like you. Um, on the negative side, we've got some bathroom humor, you know, a, a troll's pants split and we see a little bit of his troll backside. Ha ha ha. Um, but thankfully, there's not too much of that. Parents won't be face palming too much. So, you know, on balance with that caveat, it's a pretty sweet movie with a nice message that you're probably not going to be thinking about two hours later. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about The Quarry. A, uh, Adam Holtz and I are going to take a very brief break. You can find everything we're talking about at PluggedIn.com. We'll be right back. Talking with Adam Holtz about uh, things that, well, maybe would be on the big screen, but they're not. They're on the small screen and they're available. Let's talk about uh, The Quarry. Adam, what do we need to know about this movie? Do I have him? Sorry. Sorry. No, I didn't unmute my mic. My bad. That's all right. (laughs) Uh, Every now and then a gritty uh, sort of hard-edged R-rated movie comes around that has a deep enough message 
that it might be worth consideration for some people. And The Quarry is a movie from Lionsgate that would have been in theaters this weekend that sort of fits that description. And it's a a pretty interesting story. It's about um, a pastor going to a new church in Texas, and along the way he picks up a hitchhiker. And for various reasons, the hitchhiker ends up uh, murdering the pastor. And that sounds like a pretty grim start to the movie, and in a lot of ways it is. Uh, But then the hitchhiker rolls into town and, again, for various reasons, sort of accidentally assumes this pastor's identity. Now, this is a guy who doesn't know anything about Christianity. He doesn't know anything about being a pastor. In fact, he is a murderer, but he is on the run now and really trying to maintain this facade. And so what he does is each week in church, he just gets up and starts reading the Bible. Um, And he doesn't really, really say much about it. And there's, there's humility there. There's, there's a quietness to his spirit. And, and one person says, I've known a few preachers in my day and you're not like any of them um, in a good way. Uh, And so here we have this murderer with a secret who's now pastoring a church in such a way that the church begins growing and people begin responding to the gospel message because this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. He's really kind of a, an empty vessel. Well, obviously this is a situation that can't continue and, and the, the movie builds towards its climax, but it really is a movie that focuses on confession and forgiveness Um, and the director is a Christian, but this is not a Christian movie, at least in the way that (laughs) you're used to thinking about it. It's, it's an R rated movie with violence, a little bit of sexuality, a fair bit of language, and a lot of really rough edge characters who are desperately in need of grace and forgiveness. Not the least of which is this guy who's a murderer turned pastor. So, um, you know, some people are going to be drawn to movies like this. Others aren't. Um, but if you're of the kind who are willing to deal with some of that content, it's a really interesting meditation on forgiveness and confession. Yeah. So, uh, surprising, uh, surprising storyline. And, and I think very provocative in terms of conversation. So, um, so thanks uh, for that. Okay. Okay. I want to jump to, um, the, the plugged in culture clip blog that you guys got posted right uh- now. Um, because it, it's entitled Capitalizing on the Quarantine. Man, there are some numbers in here that I found really astonishing. I, I got to say, my household is not streaming eight hours of content a day. But that's apparently the average right now in the American household. Yeah, I mean, basically, you've got families and parents who don't have anything other, you know, better to do than than sit and watch you know, the content that they're streaming. But that's exactly right. The average American is now consuming eight hours of content a day. And so... Okay, that's worse than I read it the first time. I was thinking this was the average American household. This is the average American, which means that that in a household, you could be... Multiple people could be streaming different things on different devices. This is individuals streaming eight hours of content a day. That That's absurd. Right. And, you know, we talk a lot about screen time at Plugged In and, and the importance of 
of really having boundaries and parameters and intentionality with that. And the coronavirus is sort of like the worst case nemesis in terms of families trying to control control screen sorry, can't talk control screen time uh, because you have a lot of parents who are at home working and you've got kids who may be on their own recognizance and so you see families sort of loosening up on those screen time boundaries um, in part because maybe they feel like they they can't engage or can't you know put those restrictions in place and I confess we got three kids at home. Right now, my wife and I are both working, and we have wrestled with this. So the goal here is not perfection. Things may be a little bit looser during this time, but it also, I think, demands an extra degree of intentionality and engagement um, with regard to what you're choosing and what your kids may be choosing. Eight hours a day just seems like a lot. (laughs) It That'll seems be, like a lot. Yes. That will be my personal assessment. Okay, um, HBO is reporting viewership um, way up. Netflix viewership is way up. Disney's streaming yep. service tripled um, in terms of subs- subscribers. Disney now boasts 50 million subscribers to their yep. streaming service. Um, so the variety of ways in which people are watching and what they're watching has changed pretty dramatically. Um, you know, obviously there's not regular sports to be watching, so people are watching esports. Yeah. Um, but Bible publishers and Bible apps are also saying, hey, people are actually online hungry for the word, reading the Bible more. I mean, there's all kinds no. of stuff going on. There is. And, you know, Focus launched a new initiative, Focus on the Family, of which Plugged In is a part, um, called Focus at Home which gathers basically 30 plus years of Focus's streaming um, content or content and puts it on a streaming platform. Um, And we've seen a huge surge of engagement. So I think if there's good news here, it's that people are hungry for content of all different kinds. um, And there's good stuff out there if you're looking for it. Uh, But you do have to do some work uh, to figure out, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff and figure out what is really potentially worthy and redemptive content and, you know, what stuff that may not be so good for you. Okay. I I just Googled Focus at Home, and it immediately popped up. You can do Adventures in Odyssey. You can do yep. Imagination Station, Otter B, Adventures with the King, uh, McGee and Me, Truth, Feature Films. Truth Project. Truth Project. I mean, on and on and on and on and on and on. All right. So you know what? Go do this. Whatever, whatever else you were thinking about watching, just go go do this. Focus at home. Um, thank you so much, Adam, for introducing us to this particular yeah um, wonderful wonderful streaming service that's available now from Focus on the Family. Again, you guys can check out the the reviews that we've been talking about today and this culture clips piece, the blog uh, at pluggedin.com. Adam, we appreciate you being with us. Thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. My grammar is probably going to require checking. But the, the good news about grammar is you can't hear it nearly as much as you can see it in writing. Karen Swallow Pryor is an English professor. I very much appreciate not only her writing, but the way that she comes alongside us as readers. So have you been interested in picking up a piece of classic literature during this 
quarantine time. I have been. I have wanted to read Sense and Sensibility, but I have not felt like I had the sensibility to do it. Well, Karen um, solves that problem for us. We have a guide to reading and reflecting Sense and Sensibility. We also have a guide to reading and reflecting The Heart of Darkness. Those are two of the classic titles that have been republished by uh, by B&H, and we have beautiful copies not only to discuss but to give away. Karen Swallow Pryor will be here next. This is Max Lucado. If there was anything Jesus wanted everyone to understand, it was this. A person is worth something simply because he or she is a person. Remember the crook on the cross beside him? If ever anyone was worthless, Jesus was. Perhaps that's why Jesus chose him to show us what he thinks of the human race. Somehow this criminal had realized that he had finally met the one to whom he should pray, and he prayed, any chance you could put in a good word for me? (laughs) Consider it done. Now why did Jesus do that? And what in the world did he have to gain by promising this thief a place of honor at the banquet table? Nothing. That's the point. Listen closely. Jesus' love does not depend upon what we do for him. In the eyes of the king, you have value simply because you are. Period. This is Max Licato. The list of people that I um, really, really want to be more like is pretty short. Karen Swallow Pryor is on that list. She is here with us now. Karen, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. And that's very kind of you to say. Mostly, well, several things about your life I envy. Um, And and envy is probably the wrong word, especially, you know, right, for a Christian. Um, But uh, your diligence in running every day is uh is just this pricking it pricks my conscience in a good way so i want to celebrate that i also want to celebrate your dogs oh i feel feel like you're a great social media follow because of your dogs there you go well yeah they're they're a tough act to follow (laughs) so um you have some great stuff out there right now for people to be uh finding and checking out i want to just start with um recommendations for reading during this time when we're all kind of captive Wow. You know, um, I actually, I, I want to confess right up front that um, for the first a couple of weeks of this whole thing, I just had the hardest time reading. Um, of course, I, you know, we were all adjusting to, uh, to the new normal and that meant teaching online for me. And that was a big struggle. But um, I was so drawn to the news cycle. Um, and here I had the supposedly extra time and my, I just couldn't settle my mind down to read. So for anyone out there who is feeling like I just can't even concentrate, how can I read a book? Um, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. The struggle is real. And that's why I would suggest just um, uh, picking up something that is, you know, easier for you to read. It maybe is comforting that draws you in. It doesn't have to be Dostoevsky. Um Reading poetry just sh- in short bursts, anything that can just, you know, help your mind calm and draw you away from the stress and anxiety that we're feeling now. So I'll just admit I've gone the other direction. 
Um, <laughs> okay. Well, because I I felt like in order to find myself drawn into a story, it needed to be meaty. Like it, I needed. I felt like the the positive distraction of a really good story um, was for me almost therapeutic. And so I I picked up a book that um, that you have written a guide to reading and reflecting, and that is The Heart of Darkness. And <laughs> so we talk about um, something that's not comforting at all. Like it's the furthest thing from comforting there is, but it has been, um, it has been really both challenging and important in terms of just my own experience the last several weeks. Um, I would not have done it had you not been uh, guiding me along in that conversation. So talk about this project, first of all, um, because people will be wondering, how is it that Carmen has Karen Swallow Pryor sitting with her while she's reading this piece of classic literature? <laughs> well, I'm glad that you feel like it's that way because I wrote it so that it would could be as close to that as possible. Um, and I do, you know, I, I, I will talk about the project, but I do want to say that I can be very similar um, in reading. It, it, it can be comforting to read something dark and despairing because it helps gives us us perspective uh, about what's happening around us. Like we aren't the first people to struggle or go through something dark. So um, that that I think that's a decision that does make sense. But um, so this series, including Heart of Darkness, that I've written with B&H Publishing um, is one where we've taken classic works of literature. They're in the public domain so that anyone can republish them. Um, but B&H has published them in beautiful hardbound volumes, um, beautifully designed. And my contribution has been to write introductions to the works that are provide some context and some just sort of literary understanding for the place of the work in the literary canon and, and literary history, themes to look for, a little bit about the author, all of this within a Christian worldview, and then discussion questions for each um, section of the book that you can use on your own uh, or in a book club. And um, the big feature that I, I keep trying to remember to say about the introductions, because this is pretty unusual, I don't include any spoilers in the introductions. They really are meant to prepare you to read the work. And then if you're reading it for the first time to just go along the journey without having any of it spoiled for you as so many introductions do in these classic works. Oh, absolutely. I was going to lift that up, um, that you, you allow me to discover um, the story, but you come alongside me taking away the fear without, um, without ruining uh, you know, what's going, what's going to happen. My other um, thing that I want to point out for people, uh, and this has probably nothing to do, Karen, with your part in this, um, but the print is big and I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I did get to help uh, pick the, the print size. We want it. Of course, Heart of Darkness is a, is really, it's a novella. So it's a short work. And so uh, we could make that, that print in particular, even bigger, uh, but yeah, that kind of print print size and even the font itself, um, just it just helps draw you the eye in more easily, and it actually just makes it easier to read. Um, and so many of these books are written in in inexpensive paperback copies or Kindle read or um, Amazon recreate recreate space cheap editions. Um, 
and we wanted these to be, you know, quality, beautiful works. And the large font does just make it more readable. And we've gotten so many compliments about that. They are beautiful. Um, again, we're we're talking uh, with Karen Swallow Pryor. We're talking um, right now about the project that she's doing with B&H Publishing. There is a series of classic works. The two that um, I have in hand today and copies to give away to you are Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen, A Guide to Reading and Reflecting by Karen Swallow Pryor, um, and Heart of Darkness. Um, and these are beautiful, hardback, cloth-covered, put-on-your-library-shelf-worthy books. And so um, I do want to share with you that I have copies available to give away. I almost can't even believe I'm saying that out loud on the air. Um, but all you have to do is text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Um, again, 877-933-2484. Just text the word BOOK um, to that number. Karen Swallow Pryor and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Hear the bells ringing, they're singing that you can be born again. Continuing my conversation with Karen Swallow Pryor. You know her as an English professor at Liberty University. Um, she is a prolific author. This fall, she's going to become a research professor of English, Christianity, and culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, Karen, are you going to physically move? We are actually not physically moving, at least not for the next few years. Um, my husband will be keeping his job, and I'll be commuting down to the campus uh, at Southeastern. The Lord has just um, made it, uh, provided a wonderful miracle in our lives to allow this big promotion for me and for us to, to keep our, our little farm here for at least a little while longer. I love that. I love I love all parts of this. So that is so fun. Um, you have a piece posted at Christianity Today, um, and it it you know it keys off of the sense and sensibility Jane Austen title, and it is about how we can have sense and sensibility in these times. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, of course, sense and sensibility, as we mentioned in the last segment, is one of the first works that's just released in this series. And I, I knew when I was writing this series that, of course, I would include Jane Austen. She's one of my favorites. But when I had to pick which novel to include, the choice was pretty easy. I wanted to write about sense and sensibility because I think those concepts um, and when Austen uses that those terms, she means really what we would call today reason and emotion I think those things we really struggle with today in our culture and even in the church, we tend to emphasize one or the other when what Austin shows in the novel, not really a spoiler here, but just uh, she shows in this story that we need both and they need to be in balance. And I think there are so many lessons that we can draw, even from this love story about two sisters, one who's very reasonable and the other who's very emotional about how we need to balance one another and how we need to employ the God-given gifts of reason and emotion in our lives. So I love that um, there, all of the questions aren't at the very end of the book, nor are they after every single chapter. I like the way that you allow me to read um, a pretty substantive portion of the book before I get to, you know, the reflection questions that you want me to be asking either on my own or in conversation with others. Um, how do you envision all of this being used? 
Yeah, well, in in the case of both Heart of Darkness and Sense and Sensibility, it was easy that the authors themselves had sort of a structure. Heart of Darkness has three parts, and Sense and Sensibility, a lot of people don't know, it was originally published in three volumes, so I followed the original publication structure. Um, And because having, you know, sometimes the chapters are short and stopping and asking, you know, questions after every chapter would you know, you would never get done reading it. Like, like you said, it allows you to draw in, be drawn in. And, um, I, I think this format allows it to be used a few different ways. Um, as I mentioned, you can read the discussion questions after each section, uh, because they pertain to them. And then at the very end, I have discussions, discussion questions about the book as a whole. And, the way that I've written the questions is such that you can deal with the material that's already been read, but without, again, spoilers for what's coming later. Um, but I did talk to a person who's reading the book and, and with with a friend, and he was still struggling because it, it's just, there's, just a, there's dense meaning. It's, it can be difficult. And I said, well, if you don't mind the spoilers, go ahead and look at the questions at the end of each section, because those are designed to draw your attention to certain things in the book. And it's fine to use those questions as you read or before you read as well. It just depends on how much guidance you want. Okay. I'm so glad that you gave us permission to do that because that's what I did. <laughs> oh, well, that that was my intention. It's a totally an option for you to use. Okay. Yeah, and you found that you found that helpful? So helpful. So helpful. You know, I don't, I'm, I don't have a classical education. And I mean, I went to a, I went to public school growing up. I went to a secular university. I went to what many people would consider a secular seminary. I mean, my graduate degree is from Princeton. So I don't, I did uh-huh. not study the classics at any point along the way. Um, I was, I was more a math person than an English person. Like I, I didn't have the benefit of any of this growing up, nor through my college and academic experiences. So I'm doing this now as an adult and I need help, like, and cause I'm intimidated. And so I have thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed um, the product and the process and and really feeling like you are there with me and for me, um, helping me understand from a Christian worldview um, what I am reading. And you're teaching me how to read not only these books, but I feel like you're teaching me how to read other books. And that is a real blessing uh, to me as, you know, as an adult. And again, I appreciate that it's kind of big print. Well, thank you. That is exactly what I what I hoped for. And you know, there is no shame at all in feeling like you d- can't pick up a classic work of literature and make good progress in it and understand it because that kind of reading is a skill. It can be taught, but you need to be taught it and practice it. Um it's just like if I were to sit down in front of a screen and watch a round ball being passed along between players, um, if I don't know the rules and what I'm supposed to look for and, you know, where the points come from, <laughs> I would have no idea what I'm watching, which is basically true. Um, but, you know, but <laughs> if someone could come alongside me and say, well, they need to do this and this is important and that's, a, you know, this is a touchdown, um, then I can actually appreciate the game a little bit more. Well, classic literature is really the same thing. We can all read because we read every day, but reading a work of literature is very different from reading a newspaper or an email, there are different things that you look for. And there's also you, just a different way of reading because you have to read more slowly and reflectively. And so those are skills that many of us have never been taught, but I would like to teach you and help you. So that's what these books are for. 
So Karen Swallow Pryor is helping us explore the classics. Uh, there are two that are already available, Sense and Sensibility and Heart of Darkness. Uh, forthcoming are Frankenstein and Jane Eyre. Maybe after that there will be even more. Um, this is in a partnership with B&H Publishing, and it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to re-engage classic literature or engage it for the first time for maybe those of us who missed out on this experience when we were young. Um, Karen, we've got uh, just a just a, a few seconds left. Um, uh, how, as a professor, are you kind of handling the fact that we don't have school anymore? <laughs> you know, I think it's been it's been as hard for me as it has been for everyone else. Fortunately, my university has had us meet with our classes at the same time, at the same day, the same days. You know, through through Microsoft Teams, so we're all gathering together, and that gives me some structure. It's been uh, kind of a, a mournful time because I, because I love my students. They love each other. We enjoy that time together. But um, the gift of technology has helped us to to continue learning and meeting. And it, we're really I'm really proud of my students. They're doing very well. Um, and then in the meantime, I'm just trying to <laughs> calm my brain down and use use some of this time to read a little more. We just love it. All right, you guys can follow Karen on Twitter at. K.S. Pryor. Yes, do I have that correct? K.S. Yep, Pryor. Um, and for those of you who are looking for Karen, you can just Google her. Karen Swallow, like the bird, Pryor, P-R-I-O-R. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. I do have copies of both Sense and Sensibility and Heart of Darkness to give away. Uh, we are grateful to B&H Publishing for providing those. All you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Karen, have a blessed day. You too, Carmen. Thank you. You have, you have blessed us with your presence here. We'll be right back. All right. It has been a joy to be with you today. It has been a joy to be with you this week. It is a joy to be in fellowship with you. It is Easter. Like, don't forget that. Easter changes everything. We are Easter people. The way we go about our day today, even the places where our mind wanders, um, should be wonderful, full of wonder, full of awe at what God has done in Christ Jesus, our Lord, what he has done in him, through him, and for us. So um, spend some time today uh, in that sort of place of holy imagination. I'm thinking back to the conversation we had at the end of last week with um, with Michael Card. Like, let, let your mind... Um, wander a little bit and let it wander in wonder. What is wonderful, like full of wonder? What is wonderful about the wandering of your mind as you survey um, even maybe just the very initial evidence that the earth is springing forth to newness of life? Maybe you have uh, tangible evidence around uh, all around you that spring has arrived. Um, and maybe you're going to camp out tonight with your family. Uh, why don't you let your wandering mind uh, with that group of people be filled with wonder at the starry sky or the clouds or even just the sunset or the flickering of the fire. Like, come on, friends, let's, um, let's be full of wonder today as we survey who God is, what he has done, and what in the world he has for us. It is full of graciousness and goodness. And let us not lose sight of that in this resurrection reality, this side of Easter. All right, friends, have a great weekend and God bless.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.